Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Stu. And uh, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see you uh, again from here. Um, Thank you for joining us this morning, and thank you for joining us online, too. We're continuing our series uh, in this, on this topic of welcome. I shared last week uh, one of my least welcoming experiences in a dimly lit um, underground border checkpoint between East and West Germany. I've also had some wonderful experiences of welcome in my life, including in church. I've had warm smiles. I've had people take an interest in my life. I've had people spontaneously invite me to lunch afterwards. I've had people really connect with me and offer me friendship over many years. I wonder what your experience of welcome has been at church. I hope it's been good. But I guess for some of us, at least, there is at least that caricature of church that isn't so welcoming. A a large, strange, cold, mostly closed building full of strange, cold, and mostly closed people. Now, I love the fact that here uh, at Emmanuel, uh, really, you guys are not at all... Well, you're really warm anyway, and, uh, and the building's always open as well. No, you're great, you're wonderful. But as we think about welcome, I wonder whether actually it's not just that caricature that we have to worry about. Perhaps some of us feel that the issues lurk rather deeper in our Christian faith itself. You see, the Jesus that we love on the one hand, did offer extraordinary, unconditional love, didn't he? He, We read a few weeks back, as we were going through Mark's Gospel, how he ate with the sinners and the tax collectors. That intimacy of of a shared meal, the deep acceptance of that, offered to all sorts of deeply unsavory characters. He didn't wait for them to clean up their act and then eat with them. He welcomed them just as they were. And yet, and yet... Jesus also demanded radical change. What's the shortest version of Jesus' message? Is this, repent and believe. Repent means change. It means turn your life around. More than that, think about how Jesus addressed his disciples. He said, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Jesus asked for radical self-denial. Now, when we think of those two things, we might well ask, well, Jesus, which one is it? I mean, are you actually accepting of us or not? Is it come in as you are, or is it leave yourself at the door? 
Or if somehow, if somehow both of those things coexist, if there is somehow both affirmation and denial in his calling on our, our lives, how are we going to fit them together? What kind of a welcome do we actually receive from Jesus? And of course, if, as we saw last week, we're encouraged to offer one another the welcome that we have received from Christ, what sort of a welcome are we to extend to one another if it's to reflect that same welcome of Jesus? Well, that's what I'd like to spend some time thinking about in this second sermon on the subject of, of welcome. And it's a, it's a challenging topic. We're going to have to think hard. There are challenges to every one of our lives to be embraced, but, but there is also this amazing prospect of the God of the universe entering into our lives and changing us in a way that means we will never be the same again. And of course, to sharing that prospect with others. And so as we think about this, I'm praying that we are going to be filled with a, with a new type of anticipation, a new or even renewed desire to see God take our lives just as we are, and then in love bring change in them through Christ. So last week we had welcome as you are. Today we have welcome to change. Welcome to change. And the way in I want to take here is uh, to ponder that relationship between the two in the life, first of all, of Paul the Apostle. Paul, or Saul, as he was then known, was a Jewish teacher of the law, and as Gareth so beautifully brought to life for us, he, he was zealous beyond even the most zealous of his peers. He'd come to specialise in rooting out what he considered a terrible religious heresy. It was called The Way. That was the name given to the early group of disciples of Jesus of Nazareth. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 tells us, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, that if he found any there who belonged to The Way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. But then Jesus came to him. Verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asks, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, on one level, this is, of course, the ultimate welcome as you are, is it not? How does God approach Saul? Does he wait for him to clean up his act before he will call on him? No. In fact, Christ comes to Saul. In fact, Christ comes after Saul right in the very act of his rebellion, right in the middle of one of his infamous business trips to bang up early Christians. Right then, Jesus comes to him just as he is. And yet, of course, he doesn't come to him to affirm Saul in that activity comes to radically change his plans. And it starts straight away with some navigation instructions. Get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. But actually, in a sense, that's just the beginning of the new direction that's going to take over his whole life. And it's a good thing he's going to get changed, because uh, as we all remember, we, we get poor Ananias, who is given the job of the welcoming party. And in the great tradition of all uh, good Christian volunteers, he does a quick risk assessment on this particular activity. And he concludes that, yes, this is going to be very risky. 
Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. God is going to change Paul. And as Paul's life goes on, it will indeed never be the same again. It will be a welcome to change for him and a costly one at that. But we see more as well in this account. We see, for example, that it's not a change that Paul has to bring about by himself. It's one that God is going to do by his spirit. Verse 17 goes on. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized and after taking some food regained his strength. So do you see there, welcome as you are, And welcome to change, both together, all made possible by the power of God. Now, of course, no two conversions are the same, and and we need to be be careful when we're reading too much into Paul's conversion. There was a great deal about it that appears completely unique. But as we step back and look at the big picture of of the Scriptures, it seems that Paul's conversion did have building blocks that that we see everywhere. Paul himself later on put it like this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The new creation has come. Now, that was obviously true for for Paul, how his life, he turned from persecutor to actually persecuted. He was cast out and beaten many times as he preached the gospel through the Mediterranean. But actually, listen to what he's saying. He was talking about every conversion. He said, if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come. For anyone to come to Christ means new life. It means a new Lord, a new master in Jesus. It's it's a life in his cause now. It means new plans. It means a new way of thinking. It means new desires, new ambitions. It's a massive supernatural revamp. Now, I'd love to go on and share with you a whole load more of these encounters with Jesus in the Bible. Time forbids it now. It's a great thing for you to do in your own time. Or perhaps take your kids on a journey with you. Open your Bibles and, you know, look at um, Levi or, or, or Zacchaeus or whatever. If you'd like a guided tour of Encounters with Jesus, you could look up something like Tim Keller's Encounters with Jesus. Lovely book that takes you through that. But for now, let's just take Paul's example as one example of this, that Jesus welcomes us as we are, but he never leaves us as we are. It's a welcome to change. Now, in a moment, we're going to talk about how that actually impacts our welcome. But rather like last week, just before we do that, I want to point you personally to that transforming welcome, particularly if this is news to you. The very same Jesus who who loves me, who loves you, with a love that overcomes all our weakness, all our failure, all our rebellion, who welcomes us as we are, 
He also loves us so much that he longs to change us. Are we willing to be changed by him? Are you willing to have your whole life, your plans, your thinking, your desires, your ambitions, everything about you, am I willing to have that turned around by him? Well, so far, I hope, so biblical. But how is this going to affect us practically? And I guess here we might have some significant questions. Is all this talk about change realistic? Or won't we become very judgmental? Or isn't this transformation business just between God and a person, so we as a church probably should stay out of it? Or won't this talk of change mean we all have to become clones of one another? And I imagine there's many more questions. Well, I won't be able to answer all of them, but I want to share with you four principles to guide us in this transforming welcome. And I hope in the process, begin to answer or at least address some of those questions. Number one, first principle, let's be a church looking to change. If Christ seeks to change us, we want to be looking for that change. And we want to be welcoming others on that journey with us. And that means as a church, as we study the scriptures, as we walk with one another through life, we're looking to receive from the Lord both affirmation and challenge. That's, that's actually very basic Christianity, but that, that's a really big leap in our culture. It's a big leap because for many in our culture, the, the only true welcome that there is is one of total and utter affirmation. But if Christ's welcome is the gold standard, we're going to look to become a church that, that doesn't always make us comfortable. For us, welcome is going to look like complete acceptance and also love, care, and support, and challenge as we grow as Christians and seek to live our lives for Jesus. And that begins with me. We want to be a church looking to change. Secondly, we want to expect, we're a church expecting God to work. We just sung to him, haven't we? As the way maker, the miracle worker. We expect God to work. One of the questions we might have is, is this really realistic? It's a really important question, isn't it? Perhaps you've been a Christian for some time, and actually you haven't seen very much change in your life. Or indeed, perhaps you've been living around other Christians for some time, and Frankly, their lives are not really any different from anyone else, including the ones who are not interested in God at all. And you know, if, if that's been your experience, this is a very reasonable question to ask. You may well be skeptical. Well, to that question, I think Paul would say, well, yeah, it is actually unrealistic. On one level, it is completely unrealistic that we could summon up a whole new way of being just from within ourselves. But actually, it's not about us. It is about God working in us. I want to share with you another verse that Paul said. He, he said in his letter to the Galatians, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. Okay, there's an extraordinary choice of words. He said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The change we're talking about is something that God does in us. This kind of deep, down heart change that turns us around, it's from above. You can't fake it. But it can happen when God intervenes in our lives. And and I've seen it, I know many of you have seen it in, in the lives of those around you. I've seen people's lives completely reorientated to God. I know it's here in this church. People who live hugely sacrificial lifestyles that have no other explanation but that the Lord has got hold of them and turned them around. So I want us to cultivate that kind of expectancy together. The kind of excitement. What we've been praying today, frankly, the faith that we are expecting God to work amongst us. And as I say, that work, of course, begins in us. So we want to be expecting God to work. Number three, we're a church uh, aiming to... Sorry, we are a church of works in progress. A church of works in progress. And this is the counterpoint to what I've just said. Paul also talked about being transformed from from glory to glory. The idea is that God is transforming us as Christians. Now, here's the thing. If he is transforming us, then there must be room for improvement, right? So church needs to be a community of grace, of space for us to change. And space without anyone kind of tapping their watch, as it were. So I hope that if you're someone who is basically completely unfamiliar with the Christian faith, or even if you're someone who is deeply sceptical, you would feel amongst us really deeply loved, and that you feel you have the space to find out more in your own time. I hope if you're a Christian, and a convinced Christian right here, but you're really struggling to sort out some area of your life under the Lordship of Christ, that you still feel really loved And that you feel you have the space here to work it out and grow here. Not a sense that someone is peering down their nose at you saying, come on, let's get it sorted already. And if you're a Christian and you've got everything sorted, that's that's not a category that exists, is it? (laughs) We're all works in progress. And if your Christian experience is a bit like mine, it's not a straight line. And that balance of expectancy and realism was was something captured so well by John Newton. I often come back to this quote. He said this, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with a great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We're a church of works in progress. And finally, we're a church aiming to be like Jesus. We're we're a church aiming to be like Jesus. When I was in Belarus, I worked with a student ministry there. Um, And it was a time of big sort of personal change in my Christian life. Um, There was a pastor there who was really into helping people develop a personal relationship with God. And I went along to hear him preach, and there are about 25 people at this gathering, 
And uh, it just, for some reason, it wasn't starting. And 15 minutes went by, and we were all sitting around, and nothing was going on. 30 minutes went by, and still nothing was happening. And then eventually, someone scurried in with, with a microphone and gave it to uh, this chap, and he stood up and started preaching. Now, it was a bizarre moment. There were only 25 of us in, in the room. If that, probably less. I mean, he, he could have just talked to us. We waited for half an hour for this microphone. What had happened? Well, here's the thing that happened. When the American missionaries came 10 years before, every time they had a meeting, there was a sound system, right? So no mic, no meeting. That was the rule. Sometimes the change we undertake is not the right change. And we do some very, very silly things in church, don't we? It's very silly changes. You come into churches and people, everyone dresses the same. Uh, you come into people and you, you notice people start talking like each other. They use the same intonation. The purpose of transformation is not that you become like me or I become like you or whatever. The purpose of this transformation is that we would become like Christ. St. Paul the Apostle, wonderful verse. He said, he was speaking to the Galatian Christians, he said this, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they'll continue until Christ is fully developed in you. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I long for Christ to come and be in you. I want you to be like him. And you know, I think that is the great antidote to the hypocrisy and the superiority that can sometimes come through in church. We're not here to become like any one of us, but to be like Christ. Got to give uh, thanks to Stuart for the next uh, illustration, because I think this captures it wonderfully. Think about the difference between a crossroads and a slip road. Okay, so sometimes church can become like a crossroads, right? You come up to the junction, and I'm standing over here. You come over and be where I am, right? That's what you, you need to come and be like me, change, be over here. Oh, no, no, no. It's like a slip road. When you join a church, when you join a church community, you're coming to join a whole load of people going in the same direction, all going towards Christ, each of us struggling in our own way, but with that common goal. The welcome that Christ gives is to join a group of people straining imperfectly towards Christ. So as we close, I want us to ask ourselves, how can we do that? What opportunities can we find? What ways can we find that for one another, we would be encouraging and loving one another towards the goal, which is Christ and becoming like him? So four principles for us as a church. I hope that they are helpful. We're a church expecting God to work. We are a church full of works in progress. And we are a church aiming to be like Jesus. And sorry, at the top of all of that, we are looking to change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you meet us in Christ that you meet us by your grace and kindness just where we are, just as we are. 
We thank you also, Lord, that you love us too much to leave us as we are. And so we come to you expectantly, depending on your power, for we know nothing else will do to change us into the image of Christ. Lord, teach us what that will be like. Help us inch along on the way. And Lord, hold us in your great and unending love every step of the way, that we might know that we do so within your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.